It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Welcome in to the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben B. Baby Barm filling in for the P-Man while he's at the working, working man's beach, Surf City. On vacay, I got Philip the Ref Pilkington along with me on the ones and twos. How you doing, Philip? Been a while. It has been. I'm doing good. I've been glad to be out there watching us uh, Pitt County team win some softball games. Absolutely. Just uh, a little programming update here when it comes to the Patrick Johnson Show. Gentry Coward, Pitt County softball manager and the uh, manager of that North Carolina team that defeated California moments ago 6-1 to one in the Little League Softball World Series at Stalling Stadium at Elm Street Park. We'll join us at 5.15 here for an exclusive interview right here on the flagship. So looking forward to that as he's stoked moving forward and looking to play in the uh, Pool B Finals here. Uh, Speaking of that game, North Carolina will play the loser between Connecticut and Missouri, I believe. Yeah, the loser of that game for the right to play in the Pool B Finals. And if they win the Pool B Finals, they would advance to the championship game. It's go big or go home for the uh, North Carolina Pitt County softball team. Also in store for you today, we got Green Central head coach Jason Wilson, West Craven head coach Michael Twitchwell, and Southwest Southwest Edgecombe head coach Carter Varnell. Excuse me, that was a little bit of a mouthful for me for some reason. But audio from them from the 2A Eastern Plains Conference Coaches Clinic on Wednesday. And... A little bit of a talk about Panthers Fan Fest, which was an absolute, I don't want to say disaster, but a lot of interesting ordeals going in and around that stadium yesterday. Um, more on that a little bit later. But first, ECU basketball released a non-conference schedule earlier today. And uh, let's just get right into it. No, a lot of home games, by the way. Only four games on the road. Um, well, I shouldn't say only four games on the road because they do play in that tournament. Uh, down there in Fort Myers, but nonetheless, there's only four road trips, let's put it that way, for the non-conference schedule. We start on November 8th at home against Mercer, November 12th against Presbyterian at home, November 16th against Hampton at home, then they travel to that Gulf Coast Showcase, then they travel to ODU in Norfolk on November 26th, November 29th they play South Carolina State at home, then they'll play Campbell at home December 2nd, followed by UNCW in Wilmington. I'm glad they're playing UNCW again. That should be a rivalry in basketball, I think, between ECU and UNCW, or at least something that just that's just a matchup that you should have every year because it makes sense regionally. I'm glad they got that back on the docket there. Charleston Southern at home on December 11th. Then they travel to Greenville, South Carolina, and now we got that SEC conf- uh, opponent confirmed that Michael Schwartz said that uh, he was teasing – towards about a month ago, or at least a couple of weeks ago, that we would play an SEC opponent. It's confirmed that it'll be South Carolina. And then to wrap up the non-conference schedule, we'll be back at home on the 21st, right before Christmas, against High Point. I would like to give a record prediction here for this non-conference schedule, but the problem is we don't really know what we have right now. A lot of new pieces for this ECU basketball team. 
I mean, where do you even start? How are you going to even know how this team's going to look? Yeah, no, I agree. But the one thing that I do like about it, this out-of-conference schedule looks more preparing for league play than it has in the past. Like, I really enjoy seeing an SEC opponent. Uh, High Point hasn't been as good lately, and neither is Wilmington as they've been in the past, but they're still better than Canisius and whoever else we played last year. Well, yeah, we usually play like a Coppin State or Canisius or... Yeah. Uh, we got, I mean, this was due to COVID, but didn't we play Wesleyan? Yeah, yeah some yeah. crap. Yeah. So I think this is better. Um, I agree with you with the Wilmington thing. Yeah. There should be a home and home every year in baseball on Tuesdays, and there should be one basketball game which should alternate who Absolutely. hosts every year. Yeah. It's, they're too darn close with how much cost of flights are these days. Yeah. And, you know, this is a solid opponent. I mean, Wilmington has made the tournament. They've yeah. made noise in the tournament. There's a couple years ago, they or a couple years back, they beat somebody. There was another year they gave Duke a huge run. I think Duke beat them by like three. So this is big for ECU. And then regionally, I think more people show up to a, oh, Wilmington's in town than, oh, Coppin Absolutely. State's in town. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, nobody wants to go see ECU play Canisius unless you're a diehard Pirate fan. I think this appeals a little bit more just to people who maybe not necessarily are ECU basketball fans because let's face it, we have a big group of people who are ECU football and baseball fans, but kind of pat basketball on the back and pull for UNC or Duke. I think there's a little bit more interest, like you put it, even if you're not an ECU basketball fan necessarily for ECU versus UNCW in Greenville or Wilmington, as opposed to ECU versus Canisius, like the point we made earlier, ECU versus, I don't know, VMI or something like that. I mean, it just makes it just makes too much sense. There's regional interest there. And I like how they also uh, got Campbell on the books here, too, as well, which they usually do. But I like to see a little bit more regional. You know, a lot of programs that are within the area that people, there's alumni in the area for these schools, as opposed to schools that are from the Northeast, uh, like Maryland Eastern Shore was another one that we played for some reason that don't really have any kind of relation to us, and there's not a lot of alumni in the area. I think this like makes a lot of sense financially for these home games. I think it makes a lot of sense in terms of just getting people to the stands or getting people interested in an ECU basketball program that's, let's face it, I mean, we have a new head coach. We're rebuilding now. Team and the roster is completely different. I think this is a step in the right direction. Yeah, no, I agree. The other thing I like to see on it is there is a true road game in there against Old Dominion. It seems like in the past. It was all home games. It's all home games. I mean, we look like Duke's schedule. The difference is. Yeah. You know, We're not Duke's got money Duke, coming yeah. in. We need to go somewhere else and get paid every now and again. So it's good to see us on the road. Uh, this is probably, I guess, would be a home-and-home home against both Wilmington and Old Dominion. Yep. Seems like in the past we have gone to Wilmington, you know, pre-COVID, I guess. But um, other than that, not many road trips, maybe a neutral site game here or there. So I'd like to see that. And, you know, even I know High Point and Campbell are smaller schools, and they're at home this year. I don't even care if that's a home-and-home and home we go on the road because yep. – the one thing I will tell you about true Pirate fans, and I know me and you know a lot of the same people, yeah. but they like to go to road games. Yeah. People like get like, oh man, we're playing a baseball game at Duke? Okay, let's ask off the second half of the day for work to go watch them play at Duke. And these are manageable drives, too. They are. Yeah. I mean, Bowie's Creek is not that far. High Point, a little more of a haul, but if you get that though. on a weekend, yeah. when like I don't know exactly what day of the week the 21st is, but that's at least close enough to Christmas people are kind of taking off. Yeah. Um, but if that's a return game, you know, next year, say at High Point, and it's on a Saturday, you know, and there's no ECU bowl game, 
then you know or a Friday night, there's a lot better chance people are going to show up. So I think this, I think it's good. You know, get these regional rivalries because what may has always made college sports great is rivalries, and we don't have them in our conference. So you might as well make some out of conference. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we that's a good point. We have absolutely no rivalries, especially when it comes to basketball. I can argue we have really no rivalries in football when it comes to the conference. People want to argue UCF, stop it. No, it's not. No, it's not a rivalry. Uh, it's just, and then you look at elsewhere in the conference. Who else could possibly be a rival? I can't think of anybody. No, I mean. Even in football. By geography, Navy would be the closest team, right? Yeah, I mean, even then it's like, ah, not really. Yeah. yeah, not even close. Yeah. I mean, maybe the Charlotte thing will become a rivalry by default just, here yeah. in a couple of years. But yeah. still, you know, I mean, there's no history to it. At least I think, you know, the diehard ECU fans can probably point back to a time we've played UNCW in basketball back in the day and been like, you we know, played it might a couple not years be, ago, but still, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, but that's the nice thing like baseball, we actually have some rivals. Yeah. I mean, Carolina, Duke, I mean, those teams we at least play out of conference every yeah. year, state. I would count Campbell now. Yeah, Campbell, rival, Wilmington. Yeah. I mean, they definitely play Wilmington twice a year. Yeah, absolutely. And I've heard that when our – I have not gone to a game in Wilmington, but I've heard it's not really pleasant to go down there as an ECU fan. Like, I heard they actually will kind of junk talk you yeah. a lot. Patrick describes it best when you go to Bowie's Creek or you go to Wilmington for an ECU baseball game where they're on the road, it's like their Super Bowl. It's a big deal for them, and it's kind of a big deal for us. I mean, we kind of found out when we had Scooter at the end of the season, we found out there was a little bit of uh, some uh, – personal feelings towards Campbell they uh we saw that selection show Campbell was selected I forgot where they got selected to go to it doesn't really matter but when they were selected in the I think Knoxville show, right yeah, yeah yeah that's exactly what it was Tennessee yeah but as soon as they were selected you saw uh, a lot of laughing a lot of visible groans or uh it just this this team does not like Campbell and I like to see that maybe we get a rivalry brewing in basketball that, that's what gets people interested when there's emotions involved and people get emotionally invested and uh, you get a little worked up. People want to spend money. People are going to get into it. Once you get them emotionally, everything else will fall in line. Once you get them just caring, just caring in general. No, I agree. Yeah, I mean, why can't we have a rival with those guys? Yeah. I mean, fighting camels are a dumb mascot anyways. All the more reason oh, you to whip up on them. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you I start, mean, heck, let's yeah. go. Yeah. I'm, I'm down with this. One more thing I would like to bring up about this non-conference schedule that kind of, uh, kind of really stood out to me. Really stood out of my eyes looking at the uh, graphic they put up on the ECU basketball Twitter. Um, I'm seeing we got some kind of throwback jerseys going on here. I know they've been wearing them at practice. Uh, you know, it's it's got the old school pirate script. Um, I think the pirates pirate basketball used to wear a font like these uh, somewhere in the early to mid 2000s. But uh, I'm liking it. It's, I mean, it's a little bit of a throwback jersey. Back in the day, I was not a fan of that script in general and that font in general when it came to just pirate sports. Baseball had them for a little bit. Basketball had them for a little bit. I thought it was a little bit too cartoony and gimmicky. Now I'm kind of digging it. I think we need more throwback jerseys, especially when it comes to ECU. I like the throwback helmets in football. Why not get something going in basketball? It just goes to the building tradition and the culture here. I, I, I like the idea of having some throwback jerseys here. What do you personally think about them? It's, I think it could be an acquired taste for sure. Yeah, they're not my favorite look, but I've always been a big throwback guy. Like, I yeah. hate how the NBA has gone to this whole, like, oh, we have 17 different alternate jerseys, but they never wear a throwback look. Like, I've always loved the NFL. Yeah, as dumb as the Bumblebee Steeler uniforms look, hey, it's 
yeah. their history, its pride, and I think ECU should do the same. You know, this is a fan base. A lot of these people that are fans, their dads were fans. Yep. Their grandpas were fans. You know, I know a lot of people in this area that have lived here for a long time. Yeah. And I don't want to leave. A, yeah, they don't want to leave. This is a perfect university to celebrate the history, be proud of your history, and nothing says history more than a throwback uniform. Whether or not the throwback uniform looked good at the time, it's still it's yeah. it's a pride thing. And yeah, I don't want to wear them out. I don't want to come back and, you know, have that script every game. But if we could do one non conference game, say whoever the be- biggest non conference opponent that comes here is, whether that be due to their prestige or geographical relevance, like Campbell, just like kind of what we talked about earlier. And then maybe throw one conference game when you get on, you know, ESPN two or something when I don't know, Houston or Memphis, somebody like that comes. Absolutely. Um wear it then. So two, three times a year, I like it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I you know I'm I'm not digging the look as a whole, but I like the idea that we have a throwback jersey. So I'm gonna lean towards I'm I'm going yay on this. I like this idea. Sounds like you're going yay, and uh, yeah, I we'll leave it at that. Check it out on ECU basketball's page here. They got the graphic up, the non-conference schedule, and the jerseys. Let us know what you think at nine four three the game on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Might read some comments here later on in the show. In the meantime, coming up on the other side of this quick timeout here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Pitt County softball, North Carolina softball head coach in the league softball world series. Gentry Coward will join us after beating the team to beat in California six to one. More on that with Gentry Coward on the other side of this quick timeout here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Welcome back into the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben B. Baby Barm filling in for the P-Man. Philip the Rest Hilkington on the ones and twos. Special guest joining me. We are, was this it? I, I'm, I'm thrilled to have him on. I'm actually surprised we were able to get him on. This is a busy man. Got to celebrate a win here. Pitt County softball head coach, North Carolina softball head coach, Gentry Coward joins us here on the Patrick Johnson Show. First of all, coach, congratulations. And uh, just kind of what your initial reactions to winning that game against California 6-1, to which by all accounts for people that are informed, seemed to be the team to beat in this tournament. Yes, it was a very big win to us. Um, we lost to them on Tuesday 9-2. to um, They're a really good team, and uh, but we knew that we had a chance. Um, we just had a little rust we had to knock off, and um, playing in our third game today, we were ready. Uh, yeah, and uh, just a big question that I got here uh, when it comes to the mentality standpoint point in teaching your players. Right now, it's kind of big, go big or go home. I, I believe you. It's if you lose one game, that's it. You're 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 done. Um, how do you kind of? Yeah. How do you coach up your players to let them know, like, hey, we got to go out, out, go out in every play and make sure that uh, to make sure that we do the best of our ability because otherwise, we're going to be heading home and. It's it's not too far of a drive. Obviously, it's in Greenville, but obviously, you don't want to be uh, going home in this tournament. You want to keep going, and it's getting to crunch time now. You only have two more games to go before you're in the championship game. Yes. Um, after the loss on Tuesday, we sat down with the girls and we told them, "Look, we're we're not out. Um, so we still have one game to lose. So we're just taking one game at a time. Um, we've tried to kind of prepare them mentally and ability wise." For that, um, they're not looking past the next game, so that helps a lot too. Um, but they know that they're good and they should be there on Monday, so that helps a lot too. 
Coach, I mentioned that you're playing in Greenville. You're the uh, Pitt County softball team representing North Carolina here out of the uh, the North Carolina the host region here right now. Um, what's it been like kind of having that home field advantage at Stalin Stadium there in Elm Street Park? Are you kind of feeling the love there? What's the atmosphere been like as you girls are your, your girls team here is looking to get to the championship game and win it all? Uh, it's been very big. We've had a lot of outreaching from a lot of community. Um, the 2017 um, Greenville Little League team that went to the World Series, they've sent the girls gifts of food. and um, So it's it's been big to be able to play right in your backyard to big crowds. Uh, I will say on Tuesday it was a little intimidating to them to look out and see 1,300 people in the crowd. But now they're feeding off of that crowd. They want they want big crowds. They want to play in front of them and show them what they can do. So I asked Ava this earlier today, and she said that she kind of enjoyed the delay because it gave her more time to get you know kind of dialed in. How did the team seem this morning as it kind of the game kind of kept getting pushed back, and there was a lot of uncertainty as to what time you guys would start? They were eager to play. Um, they they stayed in uniform, kept asking what was the update, when we were going to play. And then when they finally announced that we were going to have a one thirty four um, start time, they went into game mode and they were ready. Uh, so they were eager to play this morning. They were wanting to play at 10, but they were glad they got a chance to play today. And speaking of Ava, I kind of got to ask you a question more as a father right now. She looked really good in the circle the last two games, but she's hitting the ball pretty well too. Do you got a little Shohei on your hands? I Maybe. Um I'm not one to brag. I let her do that for herself. Um, she has pitched very well the last two days and swung a good bat. So, um, And hit, hitting is contagious. So once one person starts, they'll all come around. But uh, it's been a full team effort. Um, I'm very proud of what they have done, and I'm very proud of her. Of two games, um, she's given up one run in two games, so that's pretty big. Yeah, that is. And you know, you say you like to let her do the bragging, but I have to, I do have to say that you've raised a very good little girl there because she has been very humble in her uh, post-game press conferences and very polite, so you've done a great job. Well, thank you. Coach, congratulations. We appreciate you coming on and go get them that, uh, tomorrow. I appreciate it. Hopefully we'll be able to play and um, they get all the games in tonight. So look forward to having everybody at 4 o'clock over at Elm Street Park tomorrow to cheer us on. Absolutely, absolutely. Coach Gentry Coward here on the Patrick Johnson Show, Pitt County softball head coach, North Carolina head coach here in the Little League Softball World Series in Greenville. Hopefully they move forward. Well, they will move forward and play the loser between Connecticut and Missouri. That game underway as we speak, Missouri leads 2-1 to one at the bottom of the fourth. So if it continues to carry on this way, they may be potentially be playing Connecticut tomorrow. Coming up on the other side of this quick time out here on the Patrick Johnson Show, We'll hear from some of the local high school coaches from the 2A Eastern Plains Conference. More on that on the other side of this quick time out here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Welcome back to the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben B. Baby Byron filling in for the P-Man Phil, the ref Pilkington on the ones and twos right across from me. Taking a look at the Eastern Plains 2A Conference. They had their coaches clinic on Wednesday at Farmville Central. And we got a couple more coaches here that we didn't get to yesterday. 
start with Green Central head coach Jason Wilson here, also known as Jay. Quite a character at this event. Really nice guy, very funny guy. Uh, of course, Green Central, the Rams did make the playoffs last year at 4-7 and seven and uh, ended up losing to Cummings out of Burlington, North Carolina, 36-28. to 28. They were picked fourth in the preseason coaches poll. Jay Wilson, cut number 13 here. Actually, yeah, cut number 13, talks about his expectations heading into the season. I'm definitely pleased that we finally got a, a real offseason. We've been working since uh, that last game. Uh, so and I think we're ready strength-wise, and, and we put some things in place, got a, good numbers out. So I think, I think we're going to have that year we were looking forward to having last year, but we just got kind of derailed. So I think, I, think we're, I think we're in a good spot right now. As I mentioned, they were picked fourth in the preseason poll. Uh, the only people that were ahead of them was Southwoods Edgecombe at three, West Craven at two, and Washington at one. He talked about being or getting picked fourth in the preseason poll. Cut 16, Philip. Like I, I've been telling everybody, the only rankings that matter were the ones on October 31st. So, I, you know, I, we'll take four places, middle of the pack, uh, sort of what I expected. I think we'd be somewhere between four, thir- anywhere from three to five. Uh, we're in a really, really tough conference. Uh, Washington and West Craven and North Pitt. You know what I mean? So there, there's not going to be any easy night. Southwest is going to bring a lot to the table. So there's not going to be any easy Friday night. And that thing can shake up five or six different ways by the time we get to Halloween. So. Yeah, I absolutely agree. When you look at the 2A Eastern Plains Conference, it kind of reminds me of the 3A, 4A Big Carolina Conference and the fact that it's complete, it's very balanced. Despite maybe one or two teams, it's very balanced. And that's just because Aiden Griffin came off a year there dealing with COVID, didn't even play a full season, was very uh, was ravaged with it, and uh, still trying to figure some things out. And Farmville Central's in the middle of a rebuild. Outside of that, these teams are pretty set and looking pretty damn good. Just like the Big Carolina Conference, who has teams like Rose, South Central, you got Havelock, you got, I mean, it's just a murderer's row of teams over there in that conference. D.H. Conley, I mean, it just, it's, it, it, it's very similar. Northside was really good last year, I think, as well in that conference. Jackson, yeah, Jacksonville's yeah. another one. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good teams coming out of that conference. It's really you could pick anybody to win either one of these conferences. You look at West Craven, pick number two, and they ended up winning the conference uh, last year, being pick number three. They're pick number two this year, Washington number one, despite being the defending conference champions. So you just don't know. I mean, even the coaches don't know. It's so balanced. There's a lot of competition. It's very competitive. There's no telling who would end up winning the conference. Very competitive. I like the fact that Jay Wilson brought that up. Wrapping it up here with Jay Wilson, he talks about some standouts he's seen in practice so far that might have surprised him. Um, well, it's not, not really a surprise. John Willis, um, really explosive uh, athlete. Uh, Jamari Pukop is another explosive athlete. Kamari Hall is uh, going to be a mainstay at our D-line. Oki Edwards, who was a rising sophomore, got thrown into the fire last year as a freshman. Uh, he's really made a lot of strides, gained some weight, got a little swag about him. He walks around the locker room with his shirt off now, you know, so he's feeling good about himself. So he's really jumped out and, and done some really good things in practice. And we've got a couple of young guys who made a lot of strides in the offseason uh, that are going to be some surprises for us. So we're looking forward to seeing them. That's going to do it for Green Central head coach Jay Wilson. Their first game will be at North Lenore on August 19th. So if you're interested in that, feel free to check it out on Max Preps or wherever you find information for these games. Moving on, West Craven head coach Michael Twitchwell, the defending conference champions of the 2A Eastern Plains Conference. Uh, Number two in the preseason poll, uh, we got West Craven head coach Michael Twitchwell on that. 
picked third last year and won it. So, uh, yeah, our kids, they'll use that. I mean, they'll use that as uh, motivation. You know, they uh, expectation the program to compete for a conference championship every year. So, you know, that's a lot of respect. You know, watching me and pick first, they deserve every bit of it. You know, they're running the same type of program we are. Uh, you know, they got high expectations. Their kids got high expectations. You know, it's, it's a tough way. I got a lot, a lot of respect for all the programs in our conference. Got a lot of great coaches, got a lot of great players. Wes Craven, of course, the defending conference champions of the 2A Eastern Plains Conference, undefeated in conference play last year, went on a six-game winning streak until they lost to Wallace Rose Hill in the second round of the playoffs, 56-21. to Actually, they were undefeated in conference play. Excuse me. They were winless last year in non-conference play. Which leads me to my next cut here. Why does he schedule the non-conference games so tough? Or why does he have such a tough non-conference schedule every year? Michael Twitchwell, head coach of West Craven, on that. This is how it works. This is how it works. When you play football in Craven County and you got to play Mover and a half lock, you're going to be tested early. So, you know, we, we start out the year with a, a really good West Carteret team and uh, play South Central. And uh, I said, Mover and a half lock. So that's our non-conference schedule going into league play. And, of course, as he mentioned, the non-conference schedule, South Central, Newburn, and Havelock, and their first game will be on the 26th at South Central. Moving forward, we got Southwest Edgecombe. No, I was going to make a point. It was my point yeah. that I was trying to tell you on no, the yeah, glass. Go, I'm just sorry. Take, yeah, just turn the mic on. No, I didn't, I didn't want to interrupt you. I was trying to, but, no, you know, I think it's really important that they play such a tough out-of-conference schedule. You know, we talked about it last year. They didn't win an out-of-conference game, and then they turn around in league play yeah. and go undefeated. Well, the way the state of North Carolina works, they do, to an extent, count 10 of your games. But if you win your conference, you are guaranteed minimum a certain seed. I can't remember exactly what it is. It's different. They've changed it year by year. Obviously, I've been out of high school for a while. Well, it seems like but, they changed the playoff format every yeah, they, year. So yeah. It's hard to keep but up with. There's something to be said for winning your conference. And if what it takes to win your conference go out there and play really tough opponents yep. at a conference – it sets you up in a way better spot than coming in with that same record to the playoffs, but having you know a 500 conference record, but undefeated and out of league play. So I think it really helps their team, and it's good that they schedule those teams. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just look at it. You got some teams, all these teams from the Big Carolina 3A, 4A conference. Newburn picked number one in that preseason poll, looking to be. Uh, a lot of people believe that they'll win the conference championship pretty handedly. But you also got Havelock, who's a very tough team and been a staple in the playoffs these last few years. Even got a couple of state championship appearances. You play them in non-conference. That only gears you up once you look at conference play. Despite it being very competitive, doesn't seem so bad after playing a Newburn or a Havelock or even a South Central, who is in a rebuilding phase. But still, they're a three A four A school. Uh, Going to be difficult for sure. Once you get into conference play, it definitely gets you uh, prepared for sure. And uh, non-conference play doesn't look too bad compared to a Newburn or a Havelock in the uh, previous weeks. Their first game will be on the 26th at South Central. Moving on, we got Southwest Edgecombe head coach Carter Varnell, another team that's been in the staple in the playoffs. They had a tough finish last year, though. They finished 3-7 and seven and lost in the playoffs 71-36 to to Wallace Rose Hill. I see, I see a theme here. Uh, they're picked number three in the preseason poll. We got Carter Varnell talking about their standings here, getting picked third in the coaches' poll. Yeah, so I mean, I, th- I really do think this year, I mean, I think it's wide open. Uh, we've certainly got a tough non-conference schedule. Um, it will certainly prepare us for the conference slate. And uh, I mean, I think if we uh, continue to get better week by week, I certainly think we should compete and, uh, and hopefully have a chance at, uh, you know, competing for a conference championship this year in Eastern Plains. 
Absolutely, absolutely. When you look at their non-conference schedule this year, they start with Northern Nashton, North Edgecombe, Hunt, and Tarboro. We know Tarboro is tough out of the 1A. I mean, they're probably one of the better 1A schools in the state besides maybe a Shelby. But outside of that, I mean, this this is this is also a pretty pretty challenging non-conference schedule as well. Hunt, a team that has uh, caused some problems for a lot of teams in the area the last couple of years in the non-conference schedule and had some competitive games. And Southwest Edgecombe, I don't expect them to be down for long after finishing 3-7 and seven last year. You know, everybody was still kind of dealing with the effects of COVID. We saw even locally there were some COVID outbreaks in the locker room that got games delayed and no further than Aiden Grifton. This is a team that is know what it takes to win, know what it takes to get to the playoffs, know what it takes to win the conference. Uh, no surprise to me that despite coming off a 3-7 and seven season, they were picked number three in the preseason poll. They just have that respect in the area, and they uh, just Carter Vernell even though it's his third season, has that respect when it comes to this team, a really good football coach. Moving forward, we'll hear furthermore from Carter Vanell. He talks about the surprise standouts that he's seen in camp so far. Uh, so surprise, I'd probably say junior Jalen Willoughby. He, uh, not a surprise, but he's just really coming to his own camp-wise, um, really showing a ton of leadership. Uh, he'll probably be our leading rusher this year. He's big, he's strong, he's very physical, and he's had a really good offseason in camp so far this year. Yeah, and Southwest Edgecombe, as we know, or if you do not know, that is the team that makes their money on getting big backs and just running the football down teams' throats, even beating some teams out of some 4A uh, conferences and 3A conferences that way. I look no further than South Central a couple of years ago. A playoff South Central team ended up going, I believe, getting seven wins that year. North Ed, uh, Southwest Edgecombe absolutely dominated them, and all they did was run the football down their throats with two backs who – End up, I believe, getting uh, playing some college ball. So, I mean, that's just where Southwest Edgecombe makes their money. That's their style. Definitely a tough team to play and a very competitive, gritty team here in the 2A Eastern Plains Conference. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward. Southwest Edgecombe, one of those underrated, fun environments when it comes to Eastern North Carolina and high school football. Always very packed and always fun to see just their playing style in general. So, I'll definitely have to catch a few games in that conference for sure especially when it comes to Southwest Edgecombe. And in my old stomping grounds, Farmville Central. Maybe this is the year they finally turn around. Year three under Ron Cook. Be nice to see it for sure. Nice to see it for sure. I got to check it out for sure. That's going to do it for 2A Eastern Plains Conference. Coaches preseason poll coverage coming up. A guy that the Panthers wanted to get so bad, apparently according to multiple reports in the draft, and a guy the fans wanted so bad, Made his preseason debut last night. We'll talk a little bit about that. Also, FanFest. A little bit of a disaster. More on that on the other side of this week. Time out to wrap it up here on the Patrick Johnson Show. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up. On your flagship home of Pirate Basketball, 94.3 The Game. Hi, I'm Emmett Smith, Pro Football Hall of Famer and three-time champion. Trust me, I know about joint pain. Pro Football's all-time leading rusher, Emmett Smith, talks about chronic joint pain and exciting new regenerative treatments from QC Kinetics. I know what it's like to fight through pain, but now, you and I, we have help. QC Kinetics. QC Kinetics is the nation's leader in advanced, all-natural regenerative medicine that can give you lasting relief with no drugs, no downtime, and no surgery. Do you suffer with constant pain from arthritis or injury? Pain in your knees, hips, shoulders, or lower back? Don't 
assume steroids, pain meds, and surgery are your only options. Regenerative, restorative, natural solutions are now available. Don't let your joint pain keep you from doing the things you love. Call QC Kinetics now for a free consultation and learn how regenerative medicine can repair and restore damaged joint tissue. Make the call to QC Kinetics. Tell them Emmett Smith sent you. Call QC Kinetics, 252-765-PAIN. That's 252-765-7246. 252-765-PAIN. Welcome to U.S. Cellular, where new and current customers choose any phone they want for free. Free? Even the one with 5G and lots of storage? Free. And the one with the latest everything? Free. At U.S. Cellular, any phone you see is free, whether you're a new or current customer. U.S. Cellular, America's locally grown wireless. Terms apply. See uscellular.com for details. We all love using Uber Eats, DoorDash, and grocery pickup. It makes life so much easier. Well, now there's cellular delivery. And the team at Cellular Warehouse has perfected the process. They will deliver your new phone right to your door with all your information loaded on the new phone. And the best thing is there's no charge for this awesome service. That's right, no charge for their delivery, and you don't have to waste half a day sitting in the cellular store. Call Toby Williams today at 252-799-7051 and let his team of experts make your cellular delivery today. Cellular Warehouse, your local U.S. cellular authorized agent serving all of Eastern Carolina. Pirate fans, the 2022 football season is going to be one for the record books. East Carolina is coming off a seven-win bowl season, and 2022 is shaping up to be even better. The Pirates need you to pack down in Ficklin Stadium this fall with a great home slate that includes in-state rival North Carolina State. The American Conference schedule features home games against UCF, Memphis, Houston, and Navy. Season tickets are on sale for as low as $125. Get your tickets today by visiting ecupirates.com. Have you had a colonoscopy? If you're between the ages of 45 and 75, you need to be screened regularly for colorectal cancer. Dr. Philip Goldstein at Carolina Digestive Diseases and Endoscopy Center wants to keep you healthy. Dr. Goldstein provides treatment and quality care for all GI needs. Just call the office at 252-758-8181. Appointments are always available within five business days. Hi, this is Dr. Philip Goldstein reminding you that a colonoscopy can save your life. Visit our website, cddgastro.com, and come see us at Carolina digestive diseases and now the stunning conclusion of the show it's the p-man here on 94.3 the game back to the patch johnson show bendy baby bombs running for the p-man phil the rough pilkington all the ones and twos standing right alongside me and we had a couple of preseason games last night. A late field goal at the end gives the Giants and head coach or new head coach Brian DeBowell the 23-21 victory over the New England Patriots. And the Ravens extend their insane preseason game-winning streak. I believe they get to 21 now after defeating the Tennessee Titans 23-10. to And uh, that leads me to my next point here, something I thought was interesting. Kind of what's blowing up in the NFL headlines amongst the varia, the nerdy NFL fans, is how good Malik Willis looked in that game. Uh, he was 6 of 11 for 107 yards passing. He also rushed for, rushed for 38 yards on five carries, scoring a touchdown on a seven-yard run in the second quarter to tie the game at a touchdown apiece. Look, I was not blown away by Malik Willis whatsoever, especially when it came to passing the football. He reminds me of one of those Lamar Jackson types, and if that's your kind of thing, that's fine. 
that's not a guy I ever see winning a Super Bowl anytime soon. Well, no, I agree with you. But like last night, everybody saw how great he played. Yeah. He made some like Patrick Mahomes-esque throws. Yeah. And then he missed some really Simples. easy yeah. passes. Yeah. And I didn't watch the whole game or even his whole thing. I don't but, blame you. You know, I, I did tune in. It was like, oh, man, no, it's a deep ball, but you know, missed the guy by four yards. And yeah. then it's like, wow, he just like, you know, threw the ball behind his back or an underhand. But he did something funky like that. But it's like, you know, those plays are great, but you got to just make the throws play in and play out. And I don't know if he's got that ability. And I'm not saying he can't be a good backup. Yeah. But again, is he just Pat Lamar Jackson esque? Maybe a little too much. Yeah. Yeah. I, that definitely bothered me a little bit. And he's not a big guy either. Not a big guy at all when it comes to quarterback position. And that definitely concerns me when he likes to rush the football that much. Very agile guy, making a lot of guys miss, but. When that hit comes, I could definitely see injuries in his future, future based, just based on this size. But it leads me to, like, I'm wondering, when are we going to see this trend of quarterback stop? Because we've seen it with Lamar Jackson. Yes, he has the MVP, but we're starting to see some limitations in the playoffs when it comes that he can't really connect on the deep ball. He's a little bit of a passing liability at times, especially in the playoffs. And you're seeing guys like Kyler Murray, who we're finding out can't even uh, read defenses. Don't even study film. When are we going to kind of see that trend of quarterback stop? Because it seems like Malik Willis kind of falls kind of in that same kind of category of those type of cat, uh, quarterbacks. And it seems like, I don't know how sold they are Ryan Tannehill moving forward for the next two or three years, but it seems like Malik Willis is going to be your guy in Tennessee to take the reins unless some unbelievable quarterback prospect comes through and the Tennessee Titans have to tank one year or something. Yeah, so – Kind of going back to him, yeah. that's what got him pulled from the game last night. He got pulled in the middle of a drive because he ran when Mike Vrabel wanted him to throw the football. Yeah, And it's like, yeah, you're athletic, cool, we know. Now run the offense the way it's supposed to. But to answer your question, I don't think the NFL coaches love those style of quarterbacks now. They yeah. just have to go with what's available. And it's going to have to change at the lower ranks because you're seeing high school quarterbacks become – you know, they just put they put athletes at quarterback now. Used to, they put a kid with a good arm that was smart. Yeah. Now, like Kyler Murray, you can't read defenses. They don't care if you're smart, if you can outrun everybody. If you can bail so, yourself on a play. Yeah. So I think the NFL coaches want it to be a traditional quarterback, but when the best 32 in the world aren't all traditional quarterbacks, you just got to stick to one of these guys. So really, that's a question for the high school coaches. That's a question for the college coaches. Heck, that's a question for the middle school coaches. I mean, we were running spread triple option in middle school. Yeah. So, you know, out of the pistol. So, I don't know. I think it eventually <laughs> will. Cha- yeah. I mean, we were, I mean, back in the day, nobody ran shotgun, right? Yeah, Until at least college. Yeah. Or if it was, you know, well, fourth high, and 30. You see that in a lot of high school around here. Not a lot of throwing quarterbacks. A lot of run first offenses in general. I think that's just, you see that in high school a lot, especially in the lower ranks. Uh, in general, but yeah, I get to your point. Yeah, I mean, you, you don't see a lot of guys in shotgun back then, and now you're seeing a whole lot more now. Just even looking at the NFL and in high school ball in the bigger ranks. Yeah, no, I mean, we just right now we have a rerun game on right here, and what was that pass Lamar was doing? He rolled out for no reason and just heaves the ball down the field into four guys. Like, yeah. so yeah, I don't know. I I do think though to answer your question, it'll it'll eventually kind of change. Um, quarterbacks who are a little more. You know, pass first, traditional. I still think they'll be more agile than they used to be. Yeah. On average, you know, your Aaron Rodgers type will be 
Yeah. Every quarterback, you won't have any more Peyton Manning type or Tom Brady style guys who can't run at all. Yeah. But there's another horrible throw by Lamar Jackson. We just saw on the TV. <laughs> I think <laughs> guys can't throw anymore, man. I think it's horrible. I think we're starting to see an interesting shift here because we were told for a little bit Lamar Jackson, Pat Mahomes, guys like Kyler Murray are going to kind of take the league and they're going to be the next stars of the league. They're going to take the range from the Bradys and the Rodgers and the Drew Brees and all those once they retire. Now we're starting to see, yeah, those guys could possibly do it. Mahomes especially, he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But more so guys like Josh Allen, guys like Joe Burrow, who run and be and are mobile when they need to be and when they have to be, when it's smart to be, instead of just running just to bail themselves out of a play or not taking a sack or just trying to make something happen or just you know not reading defenses, just automatically run as soon as the ball is snapped like Kyler Murray. We're starting to see, okay, a perfect balance with these guys like Burrow. Even Herbert's a little bit that way, and same with Josh Allen, for the perfect balance and run when they absolutely need to. I want to connect two points you made. Yep. Earlier, three or four you know, dialects ago, you said these guys fizzle out in the playoffs. Yep. When you named that list, is there a coincidence that you named the two guys that actually played in the AFC Championship Absolutely game last not. year in Joe Burrow and Josh Allen? And who did they lose to in the Super Bowl but Matthew Stafford, who once again yeah. is a throw-first quarterback. So at the end of the day, it's weird. It's like these mobile quarterbacks can get you to the playoffs, but can they get you through the playoffs? Yeah. And at the end of the day, you got one goal. That's to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, and uh, I'm trying to think, like, last mobile quarterback to win a Super Bowl. I guess you could say Mahomes, but a lot of people want to say he's run first. I think you don't know football if you say Mahomes is a run first quarterback. No, he's uh, he's way more kind of like Josh Allen where yeah. he runs when he has to. He has the ability to run, I mean, but so did Bradshaw, so did Montana, and yeah. uh, those guys were definitely not run first quarterbacks. Last mobile quarterback to win a Super Bowl. You're pretty good at NFL. I mean, it's been a long time. I feel like. I mean, mobile. So here, here's the here. It depends on what your question is. Is your question mobile or run first? Because the if the answer is run first, then the answer is never. There you go. If the, answer, the answer is fairly mobile, um, I would say you know Pat Mahomes, and then even really before that, what Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Which was 2010. Yeah. Either way, both points, it's been a while. Let's put it that way. Besides Mahomes, I don't think there's ever been a run-first quarterback like a Cam Newton or a Michael Vick or a Lamar Jackson um, or a Randall Cunningham. None of those guys have won Super Bowls. So it's, I, I'm, it, I'm interested to see when this shift, this shift is going to change. We're going to start uh, – when we're going to stop focusing on these guys in the draft that are just pure athletes, pure run-first quarterbacks and get infatuated with them. We start to see, and we're already kind of starting to see it, the guys that are throwing first, smart football players, have arms, and run when they can, can be mobile when they absolutely need to be. And I think we're starting to see that shift, and it's interesting to see that in the NFL right now. Getting to the Panthers, a disastrous fan fest. Look no further than the quarterbacks. Neither quarterback was really sharp. Darnold had a pick six by cornerback C.J. Henderson that kind of capped off his night and kind of summed up his night in general in the fan fest which is only like a preseason practice pretty much. They do a little bit of scrimmaging in there, but uh, not a good look. You know, we don't see a lot from training camp. We see a couple videos on social media. Now we got eyes on it. Now we got videos on it. We're seeing it. People have the opportunity to see it in person. And a guy that's potentially in the running to be the, your starting quarterback is throwing pick sixes. And Mayfield was very erratic yesterday too. Didn't look great at all either. 
Definitely concerning, but it's one preseason practice scrimmage. But it just kind of adds to the fact what we're going to get at, why this event was a disaster. First of all, your two quarterbacks who you're invested in are not looking very good. Well, and they have no reason to not look good because you and I went last year, and I, you know, I don't know that it was the exact same. Yeah. But the front guys, the up front guys, were not even full go last year. Yeah. So, you know, I know a quarterback never actually gets tackled to the ground in practice, but most days during team, they at least get tagged off on where the D line actually tries to penetrate the offensive line and and tag off on the quarterback for it to be a quote unquote sack. Um, last year it was like on pass plays there was no pressure at all. The defense just kind of stood up and they thudded at the line. So he probably wasn't under pressure, and he throws a ball that gets jumped and taken to the house. And I want to say it was like on the first drive. Yep. It's like, come on, Sammy D. Like, you know, I understand it was probably a quick hit route, but, you know, you can't stare a guy down that hard. you got to look guys off. Yeah. I mean, yeah. is this year, what, four, five, something like that in the NFL for this guy? Five? Yeah. I think Darnold's done. I think, I mean, he'll be a career backup if he's lucky for another 10 years I, it, it just hasn't really improved mentally at all still looking for the stuff underneath and he can't even hit the stuff underneath he's just not making smart football decisions same with baker but i mean baker i think his ceiling is way higher than sam donald's but uh just moving on talking about this fan fest a little bit more we've got an interesting audio cut here from nick carboni from wcnc out of charlotte and uh, he captured this great moment from Panthers Fan Fest after the practice where Matt Rule was doing a press conference or a little interview and was getting heckled by a fan. And we finally saw Matt Rule have a little sense of humor, loosen up a little bit in this uh, in this little interview here. Uh, cue that up here, Philip uh, Forrest. Well, I, I think, uh, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, between soccer, between uh, the concerts, between football, to me, like, it's been a tremendous to see the atmosphere, to see people coming out. So, you know, uh, I'm happy everyone's here. Even the guy saying fire Matt Rule right now, <laughs> I'm happy that everyone's out here. Our players worked hard. They deserve it, man. So, How was the plan for JC? <laughs> yeah, I thought it was like a baby in the background for a second there. No, it's a guy cheering, chanting fire Matt Rule or something along those lines. It's not a good look at all. It's not, but I do like how he embraced it. Like, as a yeah. coach, you got to laugh that crap off. No matter how good you are, there's always going to be somebody that hates you, and yeah. obviously he's not good right yeah. now so far. Yeah. Um, you just got to embrace it. That was the very mature way to handle it. I even I like that he addressed it, too. Yeah. Like, you know, have have fun with it, man. Enjoy it. Yeah, don't act like it's not happening because then it just makes the situation worse. But, yeah, it's, it's just interesting because we haven't seen a lot of that from Matt Rule. It seems like we see him in the public where he's talking to media. He's very awkward. Doesn't seem like much of a leader at all by any of uh, by any indication, just from press conferences. Now we're starting to see him loosen up, get a little free, getting used to the media. Hopefully that's translating the coach and, and on the on-field product here. And, hey, if you're a Panthers fan, all you can hope is that he proves those guys wrong. He proves the fire Matt Rule doubters or the doubt Matt Rule doubters in general wrong. You want that, especially coming to a year three. And year three is when we start to see things really change when it comes to new head coaches and things really start to take a turn. So I'm pulling. I'm pulling for Matt Rule. I'm not one of these guys that hates Matt Rule or is calling for his job by any means, but if year three we don't get something done, then I'm going to be worried. I'm definitely going to be calling for his job for sure. He should have had it figured out by this point. Yeah, I would hope so. Three years, three quarterbacks. You think he'd hit on something. But, uh, you know, you think the way I do. You don't want a guy to fail. Yeah. But this fan base – I think is weird because like if they don't like a guy, they want him to fail. They want their guy, even if we're winning. Yeah, even if they which is weird. And we saw obviously we have no idea what the fight was over, but we saw it 
last night because two fans were about to fight in the stands, and DJ Moore had to go into the stands <laughs> to break up what was about to be a fight. You know, that was a probably, as you and I like to call them, a Camther fan. Yeah. You know, asking for Cam back, <laughs> and a non Camther fan saying, Cam sucks. I love that and, analogy there. Yeah. And, and the guy was all offended because. The other guy thinks Cam still doesn't have it, and they were probably about to fight. That's probably what it was about, or something other stupid like that. Like, like you said, one guy wanting somebody in our organization to fail, which is just dumb. Yeah. And only Panther fans are that dumb. Who knows? Who knows? But I mean, it, it it goes back to the point. You know, you've always made a great point that Panthers fans are usually just the wine and cheese crowd. They're just usually laid back, not much going on. Uh, but when it comes to Cam Newton or not necessarily having their guy right then and there, even for winning, it like causes a huge divide. Cam Newton especially caused a huge divide within the fans in this organization. I just don't understand it whatsoever. Cam Newton's clearly not a starter. We've moved on. And uh, speaking of the quarterback situation right now, despite the fact that both quarterbacks have not looked great, especially in that fan fest last night, and now that we're there's a report from ESPN that there's no set uh, starter name for Saturday's preseason opener at Washington, so tomorrow's game against Washington. But we are seeing in practice earlier today that Baker Mayfield is taking starter reps. I think there's really no surprise there. Looking like he's going to be the starter against Washington. Um, the only th- way I would disagree is solely because of the fact that lately it seems like starting quarterbacks don't play yeah. In the first preseason game. I think game. he's got to play. Though. Yeah, I think he does too. Um, you know, Daniel Jones played um, last night. Mac Jones did not. Uh, Ryan Tannehill did not. Can't remember what other team played. Lamar Jackson did not. So, yep. you know, it'll be interesting. I've heard Car- I heard rumors that Carson Wentz supposedly is playing. So, I don't know. Yeah, but, yeah another guy that needs to. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. And I agree that both our guys should play. But it would not surprise me if Matt Corral starts and only he and P.J. Walker play. That's going to do it for us here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben B. Baby Byron filling in for the P-Man. Special thanks to Philip the Ref Pilkington on the ones and twos. Patrick will be back next week on Monday. Won't be in Surf City. We'll be in studio. Look forward to that. Lot in store for next week. Tune in live at 5 Monday on the flagship station, the UC Pirates, 94 through the AMC. Have a great weekend. Atavola in Greenville is your local marketplace. Atavola offers diverse menu selections, casual lunches, and family meals ready to go. At Atavola, they specialize.